0: Through that time in his life, he was praying to God to be restored. He was praying for God. He was repenting of of something he had done, and he was praying that God would restore him. And through that time, it felt like he was breaking his bones. But he rejoiced because God was setting it right. Sometimes the doctor needs to break the bone to set it right. And we have a God that is the great physician. Let's praise God. Um, If you got your Bibles, turn to uh, John 21. John 21 I'm not very good at picking out messages uh, I, I like to look through and okay I could preach about this and these people need to hear this and all this stuff like that uh, so this message is comes from a, a, a liturgy so if you've got Catholic friends or Lutheran friends or Episcopalian friends or or, or maybe even Methodist friends they're probably going to hear the same message this morning um, so or they'll hear the same scripture this morning and hopefully the homily has something to do with it so It's a beautiful thing uh, to see. We're going to be in John 21. Talk a little bit today about failure. If you don't know, uh, Kelby, uh, Adam, and I, on the weekends, we play a little softball, right, with another church down the street. And this week, um, Adam was in a, a certain predicament, right? He rips a ball out to left center. I mean, it was in the gap running for days, scores the run, and then he gets greedy. He rounds second base, and he's on his way to third, and guess what beats him there? The ball. Adam, being the wise player he is, he's like, "Okay, I'm going to get back. I'm going to try to get back to second. Hopefully, I can make it back there. Well, what ensues in baseball terms is called a pickle, right? And the team we were playing was the best team, fundamentally, that we have to play all year. And they, uh, they fundamentally had it. They were swarming guys there from the outfield. There was, I want to say, almost the whole team, besides maybe the catcher, was in on this pickle. And what a pickle is, is one player gets the ball, and he pursues the runner and shows him the ball. But before the runner gets to the base, he throws it to the base. And then the next runner, the next guy will run, run him down. Well, when that thrower gets out, he gets out of line, there's a guy behind him at his base. And so they keep throwing the ball to kind of, uh, and and players filter in. So you got to have like a lot of guys to do it, right? So he gets in the pickle, right? It is impossible to get out of a pickle when you're with a fundamentally sound team. Adam does the impossible. Something happened, and they kind of got out. They went for the tag, and it was a kind of a bad throw. He gets a free line to the base. He's out of the pickle. The only problem is, if you see our softball field, there's two sets of bases. There's a, there's a, there's a little league base, and then there's the regular base. Adam runs to the wrong base in the middle of the field. I thought he was dodging the... I would like, he's dodging it again... Adam runs to the wrong base in the middle of the field, and he gets tagged out in the pickle. It was a great thing to see, and Adam, shaking his head, coming to the side, was just kind of shaking and said, I can't believe it. I was out of it, and I got caught. Now, none of us, if I hadn't made it to first base, I would criticize him for that, so I don't, I don't mean this as a criticism, because I didn't, didn't even make it on base that game. I don't think I hit it out the infield either, so anyways... But uh, that's a tough, a tough thing. And, you know, to, to be so close to getting out of such an impossible situation, uh, you know, you could tell Adam he wanted it back. You know, and that's kind of a trivial story, but failure is real in our lives. Failure comes, we're going to let people down. We're gonna let our closest friends and families down. We're gonna do things that that don't that don't honor God. We're gonna do sinful things. We're gonna do rebellious things. We're gonna let our anger get the best of us. It happens to everybody. Failure comes. Peter was no stranger to failure. Let's pick up in Psalm twenty I mean uh, not sorry, Psalms. John 21 verse 1 through 19. After seeing this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee. He revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, which were James and John, and the two others of his disciples were 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 together. I'm going fishing, uh, uh, Simon Peter said to them. We're coming with you. They told him, We're coming with them, they told him. They went out and got into the boat, but that night, uh, but that night they caught nothing. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Friends, Jesus called to them, Do you not, uh, do you not, uh, you don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because it was such a large number of fish. The disciple, Uh, The one Jesus loved said to Peter, "It is the Lord." Then Simon Peter heard. uh, When Simon Peter heard this, that it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him, for he had taken it off and plunged into the sea. Since there were, they were not far away from land, and about a hundred yards away, the other disciple came in the boat. uh, The other disciples came in the boat, dragging a net full of fish. When they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire there, with Fish lying on it and bread. Bring some of the fish that you have caught. Jesus told them. So Simon Peter climbed up and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. Even though, um, even though there were so many, in the, uh, that the net was not torn. Um, Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. He did the same thing with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Then uh, when they had eaten uh, breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him, You know that I love you. Feed my lambs he told him. A second time, he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time, do you love me? Uh, He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Jesus said, truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you were tie your, your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch your hand, stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to indicate what kind of death Peter would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, feed us this morning. Help us to understand that failure is not the end. Help us to understand that the situation we're going through, Lord, doesn't have to consume us, and sin does not have to consume us, and that is not the only option. Father, I just pray that you edify this body of believers, that we may be people who love you, a good God, who know that you're in control and are ready to love others. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen got a guy at work, and one of the things he says, he's, he's an older guy, and he has these pearls of wisdom, right? And he comes out with these sort of cliche statements that he makes, and one of them is, you learn more by what goes wrong than by what goes right. Failure brings about a certain learning that, that success doesn't bring about. You know going to uh, going to a a football school in john Curtis we didn't get a lot of opportunities because we were very good we didn't get a lot of opportunities to to fail on the field in the in in on the field in a game, but we would look at these films and they'd film the games and they would look at different things and they would look at certain things that you were doing wrong because they wanted you to learn from failure, even though you win the game that doesn't mean you didn't do anything that you didn't fail in anything. It's beautiful to see what failure brings out and how we can learn from failure. Peter, what do I mean? you don't see it in this passage. what do I mean failure? and I'm reading this passage. Well you got to know the backstory of Peter. Peter's last few years have been a roller coaster ride. He was called by Jesus to follow him and make fishers of men. We're going to come to that story in a second. He goes with Jesus and he says these really great things. He says these things that affirm Christ's deity. He said these things that that, that affirms who Jesus is. He says these great things. But then he says these awful things. He says some things that uh, totally disagree with what Jesus is, is saying. And one of them was Jesus said that all of you are going to fall away. And and Peter, on the night in which Jesus was going to be betrayed, says, I won't fall away. I will be with you by your side. I'm paraphrasing. I'll be with you by your side all the way. I will fight for you. He puts feet to that because he slices off somebody's ear the night that Jesus was betrayed. But Jesus turns to him and says, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. Peter Full of whatever was determined to be with Jesus, was determined to not let nothing happen to the Messiah, lo and behold, Peter actually trying to do a good thing, trying to keep a distance so he could keep his eye on Jesus along with with John It's beautiful to look at John's telling of the story because John was actually kind of. Kept an eye's length of Jesus. He kind of kept close because he kind of knew what was going on because he had a friend that was that was in there with Jesus, grilling Jesus at the time. Anyways, Peter goes and he's trying to stay close to Jesus, and people start asking him, hey, you were with the guy. Weren't you with Jesus? No, I wasn't with Jesus. Three times he denies Jesus. Then the rooster crows, and Peter realizes I failed. He failed. And the scripture says he wept bitterly. Man, what an emotional roller coaster Peter has been on. Then the Lord rises from the dead, and this is a, the third time he sees him. What an emotional roller coaster for Peter. Even in this passage, we see it. But I just kind of want to talk briefly about three things uh, from this passage that I think will help us in understanding who God is. And that he's about restoration. Just like he restores Peter, he wants us to walk in the newness of life that he has given us. The first thing I want us to see in this passage is Jesus is in control. Jesus is in control. This point is woven throughout the passage. Usually I try to gather about three verses and this illustrates why Jesus is in control. But really, it is woven throughout this passage and it is woven throughout our lives. Jesus is like the master surgeon. The one that breaks the bones to set it right. The one that, that, that these situations set up that we think are uncontrollable, but yet Jesus is still in control. It's beautiful to see this situation here set up so beautifully for Peter. Jesus was ready To restore Peter. He had brought this situation at this time. And he was going to restore Peter. He's in control. In difficult times, he's in control. I've been reading a little bit of a book about lament. A book about a certain genre of scripture that comprises about one-third of the Psalms. It actually has a book, Lamentations, that is just a lament. And it's these situations that come up where people are lamenting whatever the brokenness of the situation is. That it's not the way God designed it. But yet God is still in control. And in these sad, sad verses, like I said, just go and read Psalms. You'll see a lot of it. Psalm 13, for an example, cries out about this sad situation that he feels like he has no control over the psalmist. But he comes back to the principle, God is still in control. Even though that this might have been a sad situation for Peter, God was still in control. Jesus was still in control and there's nothing that we can do to take God out of control. We may not like it, and it may not be be pleasant at times, or we may wonder, why is God so far off? That's language used in Psalm. Why is he not listening to me? He's still in control rest in his control once again we'll see this woven throughout the text the second the second thing i want to talk about here is jesus is in the business of restoration jesus is in the business of restoration all throughout the gospel jesus will come into contact with people and they will they will either leave they'll leave changed either way some change for the better and some have rejected him But it's beautiful to watch Jesus restore. And one of the things he always says when the Pharisees are asking, why is Jesus doing this with tax collectors? Why is Jesus doing it with these other undesirable people? Why is he doing all these things? And Jesus would tell them, it's not the healthy I came for, it's the sick. I want to restore Israel. I want to restore this nation. I want to restore them with a gospel that was going to, as he died on the cross, he wants to restore people, to salvage them. That they could put their trust and faith. Jesus is about restoration. Specifically in this passage. I want us to see something specifically in this passage. Alright? Look at what it says. So it says there... Um, well, I'm going to start in verse 4. Daybreak, when daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Friends, verse 5. Jesus called out to them... You don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. This is starting to sound a little familiar like another story in the Bible. Verse 6, Cast your net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. Let me read another story real quick. Luke 5 says this, Um, verse 3. I'll start in verse 3. So he got into one of the boats, which which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the land. He sat down and and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and cast down your nets for a catch. Here comes the expert, all right? Here comes the fishing expert. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all day and all night. We worked hard all night and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. And when they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. Notice that little detail there. Verse 7. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And look at Simon's response in verse 8. When Simon saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I am a sinful man. For he said, for he and, uh, for he and all those who were with him were amazed at the great catch of fish. So that, so, uh, and so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you'll be catching people. You'll be fishers of men. What a beautiful thing Peter being undone by this great catch of fish because he he says go away from me lord I'm a sinful man being recognizing his sin recognizing who Jesus was imagine Peter's reaction if that was his reaction there imagine his reaction when this stranger on the shore, 100 yards away, says, cast the net on the other side, and they do it, and I can only imagine, and this is just me looking into the text and thinking about it, I can only imagine, as as you see with the fishing pole, when you get that pull and you're like, oh, okay, I got something here. I can only imagine, as they started to pull, and the weight of that net, and maybe the flapping of fins, I, I could imagine that that Peter, that instant, was reminded of who Jesus was. And that that was no person on, on the shore, just an ordinary person. But it was Jesus. And he remembered, I am a sinful man. And Peter doesn't wait for everyone else, but he jumps in the water to go see him. Jesus is in the business of restoration. Restoration. Jesus was in control. And I love that beautiful little, little, little tidbit there. In the Luke 5 versions, the nets break. In the, in the, in the John 21 version, this, this uh, later on, the nets don't break. Jesus is in control. The nets don't even break. So we see that. We see another call back here, the charcoal fire. If you, look, if you look further down, Jesus is frying some fish. See, I like this Jesus a lot. He catches fish. He, he gets some fish together. You know, he's ready to eat with us. He's, he's getting some fish, and he's cooking some fish on a charcoal fire. But where, Jesus denied, where Peter denied Jesus was a charcoal fire. These little details are so beautiful. Jesus is in control. And three times he calls him. Do you love me? To give a threefold... that Talking about his threefold denial of Christ. Jesus is in control. And he's about the business of restoration. First point, Jesus is in control. Secondly, Jesus is in the business of restoration. And then the last point, uh, restoration comes with a mission. Restoration comes with a mission. Following through. Peter, he asked Peter three times, do you love me? But he gives him these instructions. Feed my lambs, shepherd my sheep, feed my sheep. See, there was a mission in front of Peter. There was a mission in front of each and every one of those, those that were there that day. There's a mission in front of the church when we get to the book of Acts. There's a mission in front of Paul when he sees Uh, Jesus on the road to to Damascus. There's a mission in front of this church right here. God has given us a mission. I love that Jesus says, feed my lambs. Shepherd my sheep. Feed my sheep. It's ultimately his. As Adam and I were talking this morning, and we were talking about kind of what a pastor may look for in a big picture. And ultimately, you know, as we talk, we know that we're just interims. And Lord willing, one day this, this church will have a pastor that is not in this room here. That is not Kobe, Adam, or I. Because maybe we do it well. And God provides for his church. Because it's his church. It's not our church. It's not your church. It's good to have ownership. And we want you to have ownership. And that, that's great. We want there to be ownership. We want there to be ministry. But ultimately, it's what God is doing here. They're his. I love that song, the hymn that says, I am thine, O Lord, I have heard thy voice. We are his. Throughout scripture, it talks about, they will be my people and I will be their God. We are his. And we have a mission. Feeding people with the word of God pointing people to Christ. This is why we come here, to hear from God's word, to worship and encourage each other to holiness by focusing on Jesus together. I pray that that's why we come here today, because of the mission. We unite on the mission of what God has for us. Peter's future would be beautiful, and guess what? The nets don't break he goes to Pentecost, he preaches a sermon, 3,000 people come and give their life to Christ. He goes into a, to a Roman soldier's house, Cornelius's house, and God gives him a vision and he shares with him and people, and the Holy Spirit comes on that place. God has come for the Gentile people. We see in Acts 15 where there's a disagreement. And there's a disagreement between some folks that, that want to exclude others and Paul and his group, and Peter, has to, Peter and James have to come out and talk about the mission, get back to the real mission, that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. This church has a mission. And though we may fail individually at times, God is in control There may be something, when I talk about the word failure, that might come to your mind about yourself and about your walk. Just remember God is in control. He's in the business of restoration. And that restoration comes with a mission. Failure is not the end. Let's continue to come to Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Father, I thank you for Lord Peter, Lord, for his example Lord that he always is Lord I thank you for Lord not being perfect at all and seeing this restoration in my life constantly Lord be with us as we continue to worship Lord if there's some way that you want to work that you're working in our hearts Lord I pray that we get with someone today and pray Lord, if there's some besetting sin that is keeping us from following after you and we've never given it up, Lord, I pray that we would, we would seek help. Father, if there's someone that, uh, if there's some way that we feel wronged, Lord, I pray that we would give that to you. Lord, and lament, and grieve, but ultimately rest in your control. Be with us as we continue to worship, because you are good. In Jesus' name.